Oh, now Jared comes in. And... Laura, right? Laura? Yes. Good. Good, good, good. Um, so yeah, so that's the vision document. Read through it if you have questions. And, um, you can you can ask. If you wanted to look through, um, probably don't want to, but just so you would see that this is the PCA Book of Church Order. So this is kind of, you can get it online in PDF form, but these are all of the documents that govern our whole denomination and what it means to be a member of the PCA. And so um, these are here to make sure that everything is done right and in order. Um, I, most of you have some sort of familiarity with PCA or PCA background. Um, it's meant to be an encouragement and hopefully nothing you would ever want to read. But if you wanted to, BCO is, um, is there and to, to read online about how we do all of our stuff. If anything, Presbyterians are very by-the-book kinds, um, kinds of folks. So also there is the Constitution and Bylaws, which is also lengthy enough. I didn't print it out, but I'll send it to you. Um, a part of joining the church since we're incorporated means you also join the corporation that is um, Christ's covenant. Um, you don't have any, it's not like if it goes under you're on the line for any like money or anything, but it means that you have voting rights in the corporation in the state of Virginia. So um, that's a part of that and um, I can send that to you too. So why don't I open us in prayer and then we can jump into session three. So. Father, thank you for your church and for this little church that you've crafted here. Um, certainly she has spots and blemishes, but we are grateful that Jesus is making her more holy day by day. And so bless Christ's covenant, Lord, for your glory here in Culpeper and these folks as they consider whether or not you might be calling them to be members of it. Um, we give you the glory for tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so we've already looked at the centrality of Jesus and what is the church. Um, tonight we're getting into... Healthy expectations. Um, this was not a part of the first um, iteration of the membership class because this is the um, this is this is what I call the ninja star policy. So, um, if you go to TSA and you're standing that long line, especially in Dulles, and you see the videos, um, they list the things you can't include in your luggage, and you look through all of them, and you have to come to the realization at some point that someone actually tried to bring one of those on a plane at some point. And I always see the ninja stars, and I'm like, there's that guy, you know, comes through TSA with ninja stars in his back. And so um, we've, we've been doing this long enough that we kind of see what are the healthy expectations, what mark people that do well at Christ's Covenant. Because like we said last week, it's very general five membership questions, and we really want to assert what the Bible asserts that it's a very basic profession of faith to be a part of a church. And it, it kind of should be because it's the church of Jesus. And really faith and wanting to be a, an accountable member of that church should be um, what lets you into a church. But that doesn't mean that folks will be happy. And we really want folks to be happy and thrive um, in, in the churches they're in. Um, and so, like last week, I, I won't read all of um, Genesis 1 in this passage. We'll read some other passages as we go through. Um, but I, I underline that in the beginning... Um, and if I were to read through and go through Genesis 1, 1 to 2, 3, you would notice over and over again, there was evening and there was morning. There was evening and there was morning. There was evening and morning. And the, that chapter is very patterned and rhythmical. Um, and a lot of times when people say, especially in all kinds of you know, vocation, secular stuff, what you're really looking for is work-life balance. Um, and that's not really the most biblical way to say it. The most biblical way to say is what you're really looking for is rhythm. Um, the Bible is about rhythms, not about balance. Um, there's no kind of like yin and yang. There's no blind lady justice with two scales. Like those are not biblical thoughts. Biblical thoughts are rhythms of life. You'll go through times of exertion and times of rest. 
times of work, times of Sabbath, times of difficulty, times of peace. And the Bible in different passages lays that out. And so the reason I start with that is what we're looking for. Join us, friend. Hello. Hello. And in this order, water's in the fridge if you want some. Um, The reason I say that is a lot of times what we've noticed is sometimes what drives people to come to churches is they're looking to fix somewhere that they're stuck. Um, And a lot of times it doesn't fix what they're looking for. And so, um, you know, marriage is a wreck. We're going to join a church. Finances are a wreck. We're going to join a church. Something's coming unglued. We're going to join a church, and that's going to fix it. And so I try to say to people on the front end, like, if you have stuff and you're expecting joining a church to fix it, we'll probably make it worse because, you know, come be a part of a bunch of other sinners and, you know, see what happens. Um, And so don't expect it to fix things, but you can get help. And so if right now you're in a rut, and I always say if you're stuck, and that's what we're looking for, if, um, if there's a long-standing conflict that you can't solve, come talk to me. Let's get you help. If there's an addiction let's, and you're stuck, let's solve it. Um, if it's just a time of rhythm and rest and exertion, that's probably normal. But if you're stuck anywhere, then don't come in and then go eight months and be like, what? I thought joining the church would fix it. Like, we had one family that was having tremendous financial problems. They came in, gave a boatload of money to the church, which was, I mean, kind of nice for the budget, not great for them. And then that just made things worse for them. But they thought, we'll join a church and give a bunch of money to the church and God will bless us. Um, and that didn't happen. It kind of made things worse. So those are conversations that I usually don't get to have with people on the front end. And so that's why that made it into the, the healthy expectations. But healthy personal rhythms are Bible study, prayer, healthy marriage, healthy relationships with children, healthy friendships, organic community, um, regular church attendance, service to others, relationships with non-Christians, and community involvement. Unhealthy personal rhythms is a lack of a healthy relationship with Jesus, unresolved stuck conflict in marriage, unresolved stuck conflict with children, depression, loneliness and isolation, few friendships, few or no relationships with non-Christians, pastor is the only one you know in the church, you expect the church to keep you healthy or there's unconfessed sin. So if there's anything there in the right column um, and you come in thinking that Christ's covenant is going to fix that, like probably not. Um, but we can get you help and we can talk through it and pray and hook you up for folks. But just joining a church doesn't fix any of those things. So um, I always say that on the front end. Um, even though part of the fun of being in a church like ours is that we do have a lot of people who come who've moved to town and are looking for churches or have tried other churches who are going through hard times um, and it just means that folks come in in flux or folks come in with challenges and it's fun being a part of the church so it's not like you need to be this healthy altogether put together person to join the church it just means don't expect joining the church to fix your stuff um, you have to work on it like like everybody else so um, like always, you can stop me anywhere if you want to ask um, questions or um, whatever else along the way. Um, what role does service play in the life of a healthy Christian? Um, I read this passage from Mark 10, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, we have four areas of service for members at Christ's Covenant. You serve your, serve your family and friends. You serve your church family, you serve the visitors of Christ's covenant and the lost, and then the community of um, Culpeper larger. And that's just the 
the kind of no dead weight principle of a small church. Like folks can't come in and just sit there and do nothing because we're a small church and we just don't have the resources. You get to be more like 300, 400, 800 people and folks can come in and do nothing and sit there and it doesn't really have much impact. But in our church it has um, has a lot of a lot of impact. And so um, we try and encourage folks to, to serve in those different areas. Um, this middle part is one that I've added and um, I usually tell folks that I, I don't know you well enough to offend you um, and expectations, but there's just crazy expectations people have for pastors and pastor's wife. And so I put this in here just to get that out there and none of these are like personal topics that I don't mind talking about or whatever else. And so um, it's, and most of them have come from specific situations. So um, Joe is, I am responsible to God for your soul. Um, I don't sleep well on Saturday nights. If you want to pray for me, pray for me on Saturday nights. I know that I go in on Sunday and the people who join my church, I am responsible to God for their souls. Like that's a part of being um, a pastor is that God looks at me and says, I will be judged more severely because I'm a teacher of a church. And a part of church membership, like I said, is not just you answering questions, but me answering questions. So when you answer five membership questions, I'm also saying before God, I commit to care for you and to pastor you. Um, and so I, I take that very seriously. Um, I am the spiritual authority appointed by God for your growth, along with um, John and Ted, um, the other elders of, of the church. I am the one to come to with your problems or questions about the church. Um, always come to me. Like, I have promise I'm not going to be offended. I've heard worse. Like, if you have issues or questions, I might need to say, I'm sorry, we completely screwed up, um, or whatever it is. But come talk to me um, first, because it is it's always better um, that way. And usually I can, like, usually it's something that people just don't know, and then they go and tell three of their friends and go tell four of their friends. And if they had found out, like, the, the reason why, then... And so, real example, um, we had... We've participated in the warming shelter in Culpeper. Um, where we staff, um, usually it's the St. Stephen's, one of the St. Stephen's rooms, um, where folks who don't have heat can come and stay during the winter. Um, and so we had had our, we had done it Saturday night, and um, John Orr was our point of contact for um, running the shelter. Remember being at the shelter, he invited a guy from the shelter to come to church the next Sunday morning, and the guy came, which was awesome. Like, cool, that's, we love that. Um, and we had another guy in the church, um, an older, grumpier guy who's no longer in the church. And, um, and so John and Orr and I talked about it on the front end of service and said, hey, I'm not going to make much about the warming shelter because, you know, Joe, the guy from the warming shelter, is here, and I don't want him to make him feel like he's like our project, and now he's here on a Sunday morning. So, like, thank you for what you've done. I'm, I'm not going, I'm purposely not going to recognize you, you know, up front. And, and so then, you know, the older guy who didn't ask me about it got all upset and thought that I was being very ungrateful and didn't recognize people that work so hard in the church and talking to other people about how ungrateful Joe is and how he doesn't. If he just come and talk to me, I could say, hey, like we were doing something here, but he didn't. And then, so always come and talk to me if you have problems or issues. And if somebody comes to talk to you with problems or issues, say, have you talked to Joe or Ted or John? A lot of church division happens because folks don't handle conflict well and we will have conflict it's a part of what we do. Um, Christians aren't people who don't have it. They're people who have been taught by Jesus how to handle it. So um, I am your resident theologian and missiologist. And so um, I study the Bible and culture and try to train you to be missionaries to where God has sent you. So um, I'm not a professional counselor. I had, um, I, had one professionally, I had one counseling course in seminary. I'm not licensed with the state of Virginia. 
Um, I refer a lot. Um, I refer more than I did in the beginning because I think I've gotten over a lot of my um, Messiah complex and realized that there are complicated stuff that I just don't get. And um, we're very grateful that we have two very good counseling centers, one to the north and one to the south of us, um, that do excellent work. And I'm very, very specific about who I refer to because there are a lot of really bad Christian counselors out there. And so um, I do, I'll meet with folks two or three times, pray for them. Um, if it's an issue that needs professional um, care, then we refer. And um, we have working relationships with both centers, both HeartSong up in D.C., and then Northern Virginia area, and then New City Counseling in Charlottesville area, where folks in our congregation, if they put me or the other elders on the contact lat list, um, I, I'll call the counselor and say, help me know how to care for this person when they come back into the congregation. Um, and so we develop good relationships so that the handoff is good and we kind of know what's going on if folks want us to serve um, that way. Um, I am not your key relationship at Christ Covenant. Um, in the beginning, when you plant a church, everybody comes because they think the pastor is going to be their best bud. And um, I'm a catalyst and not a hub. And so uh, I'm a chemistry major. And so um, a catalyst is a substance that helps a reaction without getting involved in reaction. I'm kind of like a Christian friendship matchmaker. Um, I think, hey, you'd be great with this group or that person shares a similar story and you should be over here and do that. And so um, I typically make first contact with fringe people and I also work with um, leaders and growing leaders. So whenever you enter into what I call the mushy middle, you're kind of in between, you're in, you're not going anywhere, you're not necessarily in leadership training, you don't see as much of me um, because I'm, I'm limited in those things. So um, I'm not omniscient. Um, we'll get to this later. I typically am the last person to know what's going on in your life. I don't stalk you on Facebook. I'm not usually on Facebook. And so um, usually I find out last. And so if something happens in your life, tell me. Because I don't, you know, God doesn't show up and say, you should know such and such is going on in, in whoever's life. Um, not perfect. I'm not gifted in every pastoral area. Um, it's important to know there's no perfect pastor. Um, one of the reasons that I'm doing this the way that I'm doing now is that I am awful at leading small groups where you ask like the leading questions and everybody comes to the answer all at once and there's weeping and Kleenexes and I'm great at speaking and filling space with words. Like I can preach and I can teach and the other areas I'm not, I'm not so good um, at. And so um, part of the elders and bringing John and Ted along is they're very different from me. Um, and so we try to bring, one of the beauties of the Presbyterian system is it is a plurality of elders who have different gifts um, who, who come alongside. So um, I'm also not available at any time. And so you can email me, you can text me, you can call me. Um, I don't always answer if I'm off and hanging out with my family. Um, if it's an emergency, of course, I go to hospitals and do hospital visits and stuff like that. But I do have days off. Um, I do you know, not look at my phone and those kinds of things. So just tell people that um, up front. Um, my wife, Hallie is a regular member of Christ Covenant, just a regular old member. She's not the first lady, she's not on staff, she's not the women's director. Um, she's a single mom on Sundays. Um, imagine not only single mom, but imagine in your businesses that one day a week was bring your family to work day. Like every week, one day, your, your spouse and your kids come to work with you. You know, that makes things a little complicated with, um, with families. And so she is my confidant and my best friend um, I do not tell her everything, but there is nothing that I would not tell her. So if anybody ever says, hey, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell your wife. Like, no, like that's, that's not something that 
that, that we do. Um, some elders do that with their wives. Um, and I always tell elders as they're coming along and pastors, you have to figure out how your relationship works and how your wife is spiritually gifted. So my wife is very gifted in wisdom. Like she just has crazy like intuition, wisdom stuff. And so I rely on her a lot for running things, pastor and stuff like that. But like I said, I don't tell her everything. Um, she's an introvert with, um, with very specific gifts. So she's not boisterous. She doesn't make a bunch of friends. Um, we always talk about it and like everybody's like a Lego and it depends on how many hold Lego you are. And once your Lego is full, you're full. And so Hallie's like a two hole Lego and I'm like an eight hole Lego. And so I'll make lots of friends with lots of people. She'll go deep with just a few people. Um, she's not the first lady of the church. She's not the direct line to me. Um, people will come and try and tell her about things that are going along, going going wrong, or hey, would you let Joe know? And she'll her response is always, "You're talking to the wrong Holland." So if you ever get that response from her, probably something you should have brought to me. Um, she's not the leader of women's ministry or kids ministry or music ministry. She doesn't lead um, ministry. So. Any questions about any of that? <laughs> okay, hopefully it wasn't offensive. I've had some people, like, I've gone through that, and they think that I'm, like, an unfriendly person who doesn't want to, like, be around you. And I really like being around people. I love doing lunches and coffees. Um, but there have been just some crazy things along the way, and people have had crazy expectations of, um, of Hallie and I, and so we just kind of put it out there in, um, um, in the beginning. So, good. What about gossip or creating division? Um, we don't do it at Christ's covenant um, ever. I have a few verses. Um, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two other witnesses along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as to you a Gentile and a tax collector. Um, and then kind of a crazy list here. Um, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. Those are all bad, and then you wouldn't normally put the next one in there, but it's in there, and one who sows discord among brothers. And so we are pretty, um, I don't know if it's aggressive is the word, but we really care a lot about not gossiping against one another. It just destroys churches sometimes faster than bad theology. And so we've had it, all, unfortunately, a lot at Christ's Covenant. I've had to deal with it very directly, and people don't like being dealt with very directly with, with those kinds of things. So, like I said, we can talk about issues. We can talk about conflict. You'll have conflict with other people, but we want to make sure we deal with it the right way, um, going to, to other people. Um, so I've had to tell people, they'll come and say, I need to talk to you about so-and-so. say, well, if you talk to so-and-so about it, no, all right. Go go talk to so-and-so about it. I've had to talk, cut people off mid-sentence and say, wait a minute, I shouldn't be hearing this. You need to go and talk to them um, about it. So um, encourage you um, with that. And, um, and it's, uh, it, it takes everybody kind of on the same page to make sure that happens. Um, the only times that, that I flex a little bit on those kinds of things are when it's like legal stuff. And so we had one frequent visitor and a mom came and said, hey, I heard this guy had a charge of child molestation against him, and he's attending the church. I said, okay, well, um, I'll go and I'll go and talk to him. And so um, sat down and said, hey, listen, you know, this is, is what it said. If it's, if it's not true, then, you know, I'll be the first to help you clear your name. If it is true, let's figure out what, what we do about it. Um, so it wasn't a, no, you need to go talk to him. It was a, 
I'm responsible for the kids in the church, and so let's go directly and and handle this kind of situation with someone. But so those are the only times where you know I would bring something up. Um, somebody's you know, hey, so and so suicidal. Well, go talk to so and so. Well, no, I'm probably going to go talk to so and so and say, hey, what's what's going on? So um, yes. Um, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. This is the verse that pastors never get to talk about unless um, it kind of looks like self-serving. But obey your leaders and submit to them. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So um, I won't say it in reference to me, but let Ted and John, like, encourage them as their elders. Let it be joyful for them to be your elders. Um, obviously, we're the elected um, folks of the church, and I've had to go to people who seem to just want to fight with me in the church and say, listen, I, I love you. Like, you're not happy here. Why don't you go find a church you can be happy in? I'm not trying to be mean at all, but we don't have to do this and, and, and back and forth. It doesn't help me if I cringe when I get emails and phone calls from you. It doesn't help you if you think that I'm leading the church in the wrong direction and you'd rather do um, something else. And so um, I haven't gotten that vibe from any of you, but I, I tell people that um, up front. Like we, we want folks to, to love the elders, we want the elders to love the folks. And part of the reason that these elders serve this way and the part of the reason I'm the pastor of this church is because a lot of my experiences and preferences line up with the vision of the church. Um, I'd be horrible in another church, not because I don't love Jesus and understand the Bible and can preach, but my vision for the church might not line up with that. And so um, we've had folks come in and say, well, we just, we want a church with 10 committees and a building and a secretary out front and just want to be to ourselves and not mess with messy, sinful people. Just like, that's not the church that we're called to build. Like, and so if that's what you want, like, this isn't that. And so one, one guy, after the, the literally the 13th email, I had to sit down with him and say, hey, I understand what you're saying. I disagree with you. I love you. It's not, I don't understand. It's, I want you to thrive, and we have different visions for the church. These are the elders. This is where we're leading. This is where you want to go. That's not where we're going. Let's figure something out because the 13th email is not, that's, that's not okay to continue to do that. So anyway, um, how do we communicate important information? Um, Sunday morning, community groups and service teams, weekly emails, our website, um, phone, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we've in the past had things, we've used the city in the past. I don't know if you've been in churches that use the city. Um, we didn't have as much um, engagement on the city. It cost a good bit, so we got rid of that. Um, it's kind of strange in our age of um, all the different types of media that, that things go out. So we, we really email is the, the number one spot because MailChimp is great, and we can push everything out through um, through that. And so th that's, that's the easiest way. Um, in a HIPAA age, understand that hospitals will not tell your pastor that you are ill or injured. Um, so if you end up at the hospital, um, you have to tell them that, yes, my, you can tell my pastor I'm here. You can tell people from my church I'm here. If I call and say, hey, I heard the Holtz are there and they had their baby, then they, by law, usually don't have to tell me um, that you're actually there. So if you get injured, um, tell the hospital that I can come and visit you if you want me to come and visit you. If you don't want me to come visit you, that is totally fine, too. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you up front for when you are, and if you are sick or whatever, um, pastors can be great about disseminating Im information about illness. And so um, I'm happy to let your church family know 
um, in a way that you don't have to feel all the phone calls that, yes, you want visitors, or no, you don't, or whatever, um, whatever it might be. So um, use me in that way. Um, will you have blank program? Um, we may, we may not. Um, as a church, we are intentionally low program, limited schedule. We're focused on quality over quantity, um, limited, intentional, and, um, and organic. Those are some of the words we throw out there. I am, I am not trying to make you busy. Um, I am not trying to compete with all of the other good things that are going on in Culpeper. Um, if anything, I think that Christians are probably too busy. Um, and I want to leave your schedules open to love your families and to be involved in other things in, in the community, whether it's you know, Young Life or a pregnancy center or part of your neighborhood HOA. I coach soccer teams. I try to attend community events. Um, and so part of the reason we try and keep the schedule light is not because um, we're trying to be a slack church, but we're trying not to make you busy or say if you really want to be a member of Christ's covenant, you've got to do all these things. Um, it was an error very early on because we pushed community groups really, really hard and said everybody's got to be a part of a community group um, if you're going to be a, you know, a, a great member of our church. And what we realized is being in Culpeper, that wasn't necessarily the best route for everyone who's a part of our church. So we would have folks who were commuting um, an hour one way um, every day. And so, you know, 10 hours a week in a commute, and you're supposed to do a community group on top of that, and that's just not easy, especially if you have young kids. Um, or we had a family come and say, hey, our, our marriage is in trouble, and we need to do counseling. But we can't do counseling and have the conversations we need to have as a married couple and do a community group. Or had folks saying, well, I'm a part of Young Life, but I can't do Young Life leadership and be a part of a community group. I was like, wait, I... I want people to do well in the job, and I want them to get marriage counseling, and I want them to be a part of Young Life. So we have to offer it as an option and not a you have to or else you're not a viable member. So um, we've kind of even backed off of community groups, even though if we do one thing well, we try to do that well. Uh, we try to offer it as an, as an option. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, but our, our goal is really to kind of create self-feeding disciples. Um, like we want you to start to learn what does it mean for me to take care of me and my family and grow spiritually? And what do I need to take advantage of at the church? What do we need right now? Is it, do we need to do family devotions? We, we need to be a part of a community group or we need to not for a season. We need to work at the local shelter. Or we need to not, or we, we need to. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to just be a church that says, well, you just need to blindly attend whatever programs that, that we offer. Um, even though we try to, to help folks as best we can. The other side of it is we just, we're small, and um, our our budget isn't self-sufficient yet, and most of our teams need help. So we're also not doing new things um, right now because we just don't have a lot of staffing. So that's, that's kind of where we are. Um, next thing probably would be something along the level of Sunday school, is my guess. Um, but we have um, facility concerns with that and staffing and um, those kinds of things. So if you had to ask what we would do next, it would probably be something along the lines of Sunday school. Um, but we also wouldn't want to compete with what's going on with our community groups, which are really good right now. And churches have shown that typically community groups and Sunday schools, people will choose one or the other, and it's hard to do both, which is fine because we kind of offer options, but we want to make sure we're wise in what we do and, and how. So you can read our, um, our vision document. Um, about that, and um, any questions? I feel like I'm going really fast. 
My wife's not here to tug on her ear and tell me that I'm talking too fast. How do you get the emails? If you give me your email address right now, I can okay. sign you up for it. Um, you can do a connect card on Sunday. You can text the number on the screen. Um, so yeah, and you can go to our website. And I think you can sign up there too. Yeah, good. Um, and it actually is a direct. I do a blog post on our blog on the church website, and then it's just pushed out. So even if you haven't got them, it's really just all the blog posts, unless it's like a um, a winter closing or something like that. So. Um, what kind of church will you eventually be? Um, we will be the kind of church we are. I don't know. Um, people ask me in the beginning, you know, and we're actually supposed to as church planners get these like glossy five and ten year plans and in five years we're going to be this kind of church with this many people and reaching this kind of people with this kind of budget and these kind of cool clothes and this kind of band and all this stuff. And I was sitting around with some church planners that had been doing it for a while and I said, you know, how many of you have actually gotten out your glossy and looked at it and you actually ended up being that church? None of us. Like, God had such a different plan from what he intended. And so um, we're not, like, throwing up our hands and, like, who cares? Whatever happens will happen. We just realize, like, God's plan for our church. We just, we don't know. Um, So right now, at least, um, we're having more younger families come in and um, families that that are starting to have babies. And, um, and that's kind of fun fun for us. And usually in most churches, Hallie and I were always the young ones and always older people, and we were having babies. And now we've got, you know, my youngest is almost in double digits, which is crazy to think about. And, um, and the church started out with kind of older families, and now younger families are coming in. And so it's, it's kind of fun um, to see how things um, progress. We really, I mean, if we could be, if I could intentionally change some of the dials, I would love to be more multi-ethnic. Um, we are multi-socioeconomic right now, but we are not as multi-ethnic. Um, and I would love to be more ethnically diverse than we currently are. Um, but you can't just say that and expect folks who aren't white to come. And so um, the Hispanic community is very difficult to reach in Culpeper. It's very insular. Um, African-American community in a lot of different ways is that way too. So PCA, unfortunately, is very white. And um, I wish that we weren't. I want our church to reflect demographic of our community. And um, the fun thing about being on Culpeper is that Culpeper is literally small town America. So if you were to take the demographics of Culpeper and compare them statistically to the demographics of the U.S., they're almost the same. So we were almost as if you took the whole country and reduced it down to a little town, at least demographically speaking. Uh, But our church isn't reflected that way. And so that's one of the ways that I would love um, to grow. Um, And this is some of the 1 Corinthians 9, which you've seen before. For though I am free of all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them and its blessings. And so a part of, we have intentionally not come in and tried to be like all of the other current Christian churches. In fact, one of the reasons we're here is because we thought that we were gifted to do something different in Culpeper. We didn't want to come in and compete with the other churches and just shuffle the denominational deck. We were intentionally after folks who don't know Jesus and who don't know Jesus and are not currently being sought by current 
churches. And so, um, so for example, we don't, I, I don't participate as much in like the Christian community hoopla stuff of doing Christian events because I don't always want to spend time with other Christians. I want to be around non-Christians. And so we do that very intentionally, you know, based on who we are um, as a church. Um, but we have a building, zero common questions. Um, maybe if people convince me that we can reach more lost people. Um, you know, this is our little room where we've got storage in here, plates and cups and signs over here and meeting area over here and you know, kitchen over there and all of it in a little, you know, whatever room. And this is, this is the only space that we, week, that we rent week long, this little whatever it is, 10 by 14 little room. Um, it'd be nice to have more space. Our, right now, our, our band practices in here on Thursday nights, and so um, they could use some space that they could be in, and um, we'd love some more medium-sized um, space to do a little more teaching things. Um, but right now, um, budget is limiting. Will you always sing this style of music? Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, Christians are typically, culture changes every five years, and Christians are typically 10 years behind, which means we're two culture changes behind. Um, typically, and so you look at Christian music, it's about right <laughs> for how things are, and so we always try to sing the most um, biblically robust, theologically sound music we can from all the different generations, um, still trying to bring in instrumentation that reflects um, our area, and so uh, every once in a while when I can get Will or up there, I'll get him to play the banjo and those kind of things that are kind of reflective of, um, of where we are, so, and I'm actually pretty um, pretty hyper about a lot of the stuff that goes on in, um, in worship and volume and all those things. I want people to sing. And so that's, that's what we're after. Right now we're looking for a bassist um, to help fill out some of the sound. And um, remember back to when we hired a college kid from UVA who would drive up 29 every week and play guitar, um, acoustic guitar for us on Sunday morning. So we're grateful to have Justin and, and all that he's doing. Um, will we have a choir? Probably not. Um, we have a rock band, probably not any more than what you currently see is a rock band, even though I keep encouraging Justin to plug into an amp. Um, we always wear what you wear, probably. I try to wear what I can to reach um, folks for Christ, and I'm pretty intentional about um, about that too. So it's, uh, um, yeah, I, in my first two churches, we wore black robes and um, in the South, which is really hot to wear black robes in um, in the South. And originally, black robes were a great idea. It was a very missional idea to wear robes in the worship service because um, the Puritans would say, listen, it's a pastor doesn't belong to or privilege any other class of person. And so the question was, if the pastor dressed like a banker, does that mean that bankers are closer to God? If the pastor dressed like a cobbler, does that mean that cobblers are closer to God? And so in order to not dress like a certain class, they simply wore black to kind of black the man out. Um, so all that you got was the Bible. Um, but then it became official, official clergy guide, I mean, clergy garb. And so black robes were considered this kind of fancy dress that got you closer to God. Um, and so that's not the case. And so don't, don't wear that here. If I went to the South, I might wear um, a robe. I mean, and with the North, because I think people up North still look at clergy as near to God. I think in more Southernist cultures, people consider um, professional clergy to be people that they wouldn't want to go to to talk about God in Southernist cultures. Usually it's your grandmother that you'd want to go to. So um, there was a, friends of mine are missionaries in Peru. And um, in Peru, 
if you're American um, and you're not Catholic, then you're a part of a cult or you're a strip miner. And um, the Peruvians hate cults and strip miners and because um, they're just destroying their country. And so my buddies who were down there as Protestant missionaries would wear the Protestant collar, um, which is the little square in the front, um, because it, it said to the Peruvian people, they'd say, are you Catholic? And they would say, yes, we're Reformed Catholic, um, which was true. But it, it was a way with their clothing to set aside whatever barriers might be to presenting the gospel. And so, and, and music, and clothing, and a lot of the stuff that we do, we try to set aside um, all of those, any barrier to the gospel. Um, people realize now that we're six, seven years in, um, that we're probably not going to be hardwood floors and red pews, you know, next week or, or anything like that. And we don't think this is like the kids' table of worship and one day you graduate to the adult table when, you know, people start wearing ties. So I think probably most of you get that from, from where we are, but it's all very intentional. Um, will you always be this size? I don't know. Um, size considerations are kind of funny in a small town. So Culpeper is 17,000 within town limits. It's about 43,000 when you consider the county as a whole. Um, in Virginia, if you're under 500,000, you're considered a small town. Um, so we are in our county, we are 10% of what's considered a small town. So we're very small. Um, we draw people from other counties, you know, folks from Orange and Fauquier and different areas like that. Um, but when you think about percentage-wise and percentage of reach, it adjusts some of your numbers. So let's say you're in a big city and you've got a percentage reach of, you know, 5 million people. Um, let's say you hit 1% of those 5 million people in a huge city, you know, that's a 50,000-person church. Like, that's enormous with a, with a 1% reach. If you're in Culpeper County and you got 43,000 and you reach, you know, 1%, that's 430 people. Um, and that's, you know, that's the equivalent of a 50,000-person church. In, and so when you think percentage-wise, it doesn't work exactly like that, but we don't come to Culpeper expecting we're going to blow the doors out at 1,200 like those huge churches in Texas and California um, and stuff like that. So that's adjusted how we look at um, what we do and what we're trying to do. Um, we've seen churches in Culpeper spring up to about 800 and then kind of plummet again. And so we've seen churches kind of touch that mark but then fall back down. Um, so it, at this point, um, I realize at least a few different things. One, the 200-person barrier is very difficult to breach. Um, organizationally, not just within churches, but just 200. Because after 200, people can't know everyone. At 200, you can generally be acquainted with everyone who's around it. It kind of feels like two big families, It kind of two, 200. Um, and it's enough for a pastor and usually an assistant or associate pastor to be able to do enough of the pastoral work. Um, after 200, you've got to teach people to think differently about the church. And a lot of folks don't want to think differently of the church. They want to be me and my family and not to be a bigger institution. Um, and so right now we're trying to think about, oh, the other number is a 800-person church statistically does not see more people saved than a 200-person church, which is kind of crazy to think about. You think exponentially, the larger is the larger, but then you get the dead weight principle kind of coming in. Um, and so part of what we would love to do is plant multiple smaller churches rather than trying to grow to one big church. So I'd rather plant four 200-person churches rather than grow to 800. 
I'd, I'd really like to right now just leave the 200 barrier alone and all of that heartache and leadership challenge and everything else. And what if we could just keep planting? The difficulty is when you send people out to plant, you reduce your own numbers. So let's say we're at 200, we send out 100, well now we're 100% church. And how do you do budget considerations to, to stay viable as a consistent church? Um, and so it's, it's not easy to think through, but size numbers, we would love to plant multiple small churches rather than grow bigger ourselves. And so we're specifically looking at community groups as kind of beta tests for viable church planting locations. And so we, we love seeing community groups form and sometimes they grow and thrive and sometimes they don't and that's fine. And sometimes they grow and thrive and it might be a great place to plant a church service that then turns into um, a church and a reach in a, in a specific area. Um, I'd love to bring a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking guy in and train him to plant a church and maybe plant him in Culpeper and let him plant a Spanish-speaking church in, um, in Culpeper. I'd love to bring a guy in who understands African-American culture um, and especially African-American culture in the South and train him to plant a church and let him go do a church that looks different than ours with intention of reaching people um, different than, um, than, than we are. So that's some of the, the size um, considerations. So again, a lot of information. Any other questions you want to add to that list, the common questions list or ones you want more elaboration on? Um, what are the best practices of healthy members of Christ Covenant? Um, we found that the healthiest, happiest members join community groups or service teams. They see themselves as missionaries to Culpeper or wherever you live, um, have healthy personal, spiritual, and missional rhythms. They give generously to Christ Covenant, but they tell their story. They just like telling the story of what Jesus has done and is doing in their life. They invite others to church. Uh, they agree with our vision and mission. Um, and then I have some of the further resources, the vision and mission, which I've given you. Um, what is a Healthy Church Member by Tabidi and Yabuli. And um, a book called Community by Brad House, who wrote a book about um, community groups. So that is the um, Healthy Expectations sheet, the Ninja Star class, um, all of the things that have come up across the way. Um, we can take a break, unless anybody has any questions, and then we can actually jump into um, questions after that, too. Any questions about healthy expectations? Okay. Stretch your legs if you'd like to. Grab